0: In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, we will discuss some of the top shooters that will be in the 2023 NBA Draft. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow the director of scouting for nba big board and the founder of nba draft junkies and my co-host for today is mr mavs draft richard Stamen. i just left the mavs game it's pretty late here um the mavs could definitely use some shooting uh, uh bullock had a good game tonight so he looked like he's you know, being consistent when he kind of finds his shooting stroke in late January and February. But, you know, as a guy that watches a lot of Mavs games, I feel like they get so many open looks, so many wide open looks and they are, you know, they're a good shooting team, but they're streaky. There's some games where they just look unbelievable and there's some games they just cannot make an open look. Now the Mavericks don't have a first round pick. So I'm sure the majority of the guys in this episode won't be available unless a trade is made, but there may be some guys that could be available in the second round. All right. So Richard,
1: who is your top shooter
0: in this 2023 NBA draft?
1: You know, I saw somebody today uh, on Wednesday say, you know, that the gap is closing. I don't really think it is. I think it's still Grady Dick. I think the way, he comes off of screens. He, he's just so flexible uh, just as a shooter, versatile, I should say. Um, I just, I think it's still him. At six eight, being able to come around screens, dribble handoffs incredibly efficiently. I think it's him. And he's shooting right now 45% from three, which is ridiculous on six attempts a game, 80% from the line. I think it's safely him until somebody really just knocks those numbers out the park, which it's really hard to do. So
0: where do you have Grady on, on your board? Do you have him like mid-lottery, lottery, or just outside the lottery?
1: Yeah, I've got him close to the end of the lottery. I have a policy where I'm like, I, I've learned if somebody's the best shooter in the class, they're going to be a top, at minimum, 14 player from the draft, just the best shooter if they translate. It's almost always that way. Um, so for me, I have him at number 12 to be specific but anywhere in that mid to late lottery, I think that's pretty acceptable.
0: So there's this guy by the name of Brandon Miller, who's actually shooting a higher percentage from three than Grady Dick shooting 46% from three on a healthy volume of attempts. I think it's like seven a game or something like that. In your opinion, who, why is Dick the better shooter than Brandon
1: Miller? I just think, you know, I, I do think Miller for what it's worth, he's my number two. Um, and i I do think that when you look at just what they're going to be asked to do in the nba i think grady dick's going to have a higher percentage at a more difficult role and he's going to be a lead at it i think brandon miller has an unfortunate disadvantage with an advantage because he's more likely to be a primary right and because of that he's going to take tougher shots the percentages won't be as good which it's an unfair advantage to him i think they're the one and two but if you're just talking about how will those numbers translate, I think Grady Dick has a better trait has a better chance of doing so.
0: I'm going with Brandon Miller I'm driving the Brandon Miller bandwagon <laughs> all year last year was Bancaro. Carroll this year is Brandon Miller uh I mean he's doing it he's the the focal point on a top five team and wow I mean Dick has been great it's so definitely not a knock on him but every their offense it, you know, sitting around Jalen Wilson, who's having a great, great year. And he's having such a great year that I don't even know if it's really helped his draft stock, <laughs> which is weird because he's been so productive because the biggest concern for him is, like, can he can he shoot? All right, so we got Grady Dick. and We got Brandon Miller. And if it were me, I'd flip-flop those two. Number three is where it can get into uh, – You know, it's it's pretty much open from there. I think those two have separated themselves. But who's number three on on your list of the top shooters?
1: Yeah, I had a lot of choices I could go from here. Um, I think for me, you know, the numbers don't, the sample size is just not there to actually say whether or not he is. But given the high school film we've seen, also the free throw percentage and things like that, I'm going to say Nick Smith is going to have an argument for being up in this spot. I'm not super confident in him being like third, but I do think he has a chance to be in this race. I, I think his shooting touch is phenomenal. I think he's best as an off-ball shooter, which benefits him. But at six five, that can't be his number one scoring trait. Uh, that's a whole different argument. But I really do think he's one of the top five shooters in this class, uh, at a minimum. I would say like five or six. So for me, I'm just going to go ahead and roll it in and say number three. Who knows when he'll be back? When he'll be back? If he's back. And what those numbers look like. But I think the percentages from three at 30% right now really undersells him.
0: Yeah, I had a uh, talked to some scouts at the Mavs game tonight. And um, we talked about Nick Smith. And and the rumor is that he is coming back. Like the, the scouts that I talked to did expect him to to finish out the season. I know there's a lot of rumblings that he's going to shut it down, that he's done. Um and but yeah, I mean that's that's one of the rumors that I that I heard today. All right, who's number four? Actually, before yeah, we get to number four,
1: Nick Smith is shooting.
0: It. Before we get to number four, Nick Smith is shooting thirty percent from three. So there's somebody in the comments or somebody listening is gonna say, "Is, is Richard crazy?" So can you just elaborate a little bit more? Why? Because in, in my opinion. The, I mean, he was rusty. He played. I mean, if you look at the stats, I think it says he played five games, but he really played three. There was a game where he played like the last. He played like seven minutes, and then he had the three games where he played, you know, without a minutes restriction. And then there was a game where he got hurt again. So he really played three games, rusty, <laughs> and the so the thirty percent shooting is not indicative, but. Can you elaborate from your personal view of of why you aren't paying attention to the
1: 30%? Yeah, I mean, one is small sample size, like I get it. But at the same time, uh, for me, it's just that shooting touch is very real. I think the free throw percentage, there was already a decent sample size in what we saw uh, for at least the per game. There was over three a game. And I, I think the form is great. Every single shot is a clean follow through. He doesn't change his form to contest anything like that, like in a negative way. I think it's a very scalable shot. I get it. The 30%, like I probably should have gone with the guy who I'm going to list next first, but I do think that if, if he's hitting his ceiling, like he's a top three shooter of this class. So it, it's kind of an upside play again. I think the touch is absolutely there. I, I was talking to global scouting earlier today and uh, we were talking about it. how like, he's got just such perfect touch and that stuff matters. Like it, I, I think he's got great touch. That's why free throw percentage is a strong indicator because Touch sometimes matters more than form and things like that. So, um, again, upside play.
0: Yeah, I think the best display of his touch is on his his floater. And, like, he has amazing, like, touch around the rim, like soft touch finishes. And then, um, you know, over time, I think because his touch is so good, he's going to develop into a really good NBA three-point shooter. It's going to take time because, I mean, one, his college season is, has been – kind of taken away from in a sense and then you know it's, it's an adjustment for you know to get used to the nba three-point line all right so we've covered grady dick brandon miller and nick smith who is number four
1: yeah so i've got jet howard this is probably who i should have gone with if uh, the percentages are any indicator but jet howard is just a ridiculous shooter seven attempts a game four forty percent excuse me from three seventy eight percent from the free throw line, like the math checks out, all the percentages are there. I think for him, it just comes down to how his shot selection going to be. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's Juwan's kid, right? Yeah. So I mean, Juwan's he's had unlimited son. freedom. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Two totally different games. <laughs> and I, I had to talked to somebody today uh, about him, and I was asking them like their their thought on him and where they had him on their board. This was the scout that I that I respect. And so he had him pretty high. And uh, my question to him was, why doesn't he rebound? He has the size. He has, I mean, what is he, like 220, something like that, 215, 6'8", has the size, averages less than three rebounds per game. and And the scout had mentioned that he thinks he's one of these guys that is Kind of spoiled in a sense. He, I mean, he used the word diva, and he was like, he's a guy that if he just says, like, I'm a good shooter. I'm not going to rebound. I'm not going to mix it up in the paint. I don't want to do it. And he was like, that could be something to look out for in in his game. But he was high on him, and he talked about the shooting and the size. He thought it was something that's going to easily translate to the NBA. All right. Next person, number five.
1: Yeah, this part, it gets tough. And a lot of these guys, I'm noticing the overlap at the top of the draft. like i I want to dig deeper because there are a few guys in the second round that I think are some of the best shooters in the class that just haven't gotten a ton of love. Um but it, there's multiple guys here, and I'm honestly, these next three are completely interchangeable. and again, I probably should have put Nick Smith lower, but also completely upside. I'm gonna go with your guy. Uh, I'm going to go with Keontae George as the next one. I know the percentages, I I actually don't know what they are off the top of my head. I'm looking them up right now. Uh, 36%, 81% from the line. Not anything crazy, but you look at the quality of those shots. He's shooting over contests almost every single time. He's shooting from, I I would consider deep NBA range even. Like it's at least half a foot, a foot behind the three-point line of where the NBA line is. I mean, the Texas Tech game from Tuesday night is probably the best example of it. I just, I'm enamored with that shot, and we've seen it in person. Like his form is, I, I think it's the best form I've ever seen from anybody his age in the time I've been scouting. So I'm all about it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. All right, we'll talk about Keontae a little bit more when we return, but I want to talk to you. Yes, you, the listener who is looking to eat healthy. To start the new year, but you're looking for something delicious, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, so you have to try a built Bar, and we know it's the beginning of the year, and if you want to eat healthier, then you have to try the built Bar. I said it again just to make sure you heard me. It's healthy, and it's actually tasty, and what makes them so good is that they are covered with 100% real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, and... Another thing that makes them great is that not only are they healthy but they're tasty and only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Another cool thing is before you always had to order them on built.com and now you do not have to get online or get on your phone go to built.com and order. You can find them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. So if you head to the nearest Walmart today, if you walk into the pharmacy section, you can find Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. And if there's a Sam's Club nearby, you can go and grab a 13 bar box with flavors like brownie batter and churro. You will thank me later. But if you still want to go the old school way, you want to wait, go to built.com. All right, once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co-host, Richard Stamen. We are just covering some of the top shooters in the 2023 NBA draft. Now, I know somebody's going to chime in and say, oh, there's this guy at such and such school that is shooting 56% from three. Not every great shooter is going to be an NBA prospect, as weird as that may sound with the league valuing shooting so much. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. All right. So we left talking about Keontae George and Keontae shooting a very respectable 36% from three. It wasn't always at 36. I mean, there were times where through, you know, maybe December, I want to say it was probably in the low 30s. He had a big game that definitely improved his percentage. But he passes the eye test for me. And one of my... I don't know. I guess differences like as far as me like growing as an evaluator from, you know, years past and this year is I'm just trusting my gut and I'm going off the eye test. I'm still going to use numbers, but it's not going to be the determining factor. Keontae looks the part. The shot is beautiful. Like you said, he can get to his spots. He can pull up. I think he's a much better shooter than the numbers indicate. And you never know by the end of the year, if he's at 38% from three, that wouldn't surprise me. And if he's around that mark or even 37, that's pretty much what I was expecting coming into the year. Cause he is a tough shot taker and a tough shot maker. So um, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be in like the mid forties or anything like that. But if he's at 37, 38% or even higher, then that's, I mean, that's about at expectations. Do you what do you think his role is going to be in the NBA?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. It what makes it hard for me. This is the hardest part about evaluating Keontae George for me is he's what six three and maybe six four. Like either way, that's just, that's not an ideal size for what his role is. I don't think he's a true point guard. He can't play make and create, but he's not a point guard. And if you want him to be this off ball guard at six, four, that value is very low. Like I just, I have a hard time with that now. However, almost everything he's asked to do, he does at a high level. I think like, again, even being that off guard, he is very good at that. He can pass. I, I want to emphasize that again, just because he can pass doesn't make him a point guard. And just because he's not a point guard doesn't mean he can't pass, but I just like his ability to do. He's like a jack of all trades. He defends, he passes, he shoots, And that's a very quick summary, but the issue for me is just, like, he cannot – I don't think he's going to be a good finisher, at least early in the NBA, because he's so not explosive going to the rim. makes it really hard for me to profile what he does as his niche role outside of shooting.
0: I think he's going to be fine. I think if you didn't know anything about him or his prior reputation coming into the season, you just watched him play now, you'd say, okay, this kid can possibly be an elite ball handler but the perception coming into the year, which I think he's done an excellent job of trying to change the narrative, was he was a a bucket getter, not necessarily a passer, wasn't a defender. Last I heard, he was leading the team in charges. He's averaging three and a half assists per game, and he's not playing as their primary. I think those numbers are pretty good. And he could even develop into like your – your Aunt Simon's type guard, right? I mean, Ann is explosive, and and here's the thing about this class. And I had this conversation with a few people because there's the Thompson twins and Scoot Henderson, guys that are pretty athletic, aren't getting the credit for being athletic because of this this class, right? Um, I've seen Keontae, I've seen him jump over somebody six feet and dunk of course it wasn't in a game but I've seen like the explosive I- I've seen the athleticism I think he's obviously gonna have to get stronger um and then like with the finishing in college basketball college basketball is probably more physical than the NBA there's not a lot of spacing and I think once you factor in the spacing and guys getting stronger then I think he'll be fine it's kind of like that's the it's like the buzzword on draft Twitter this year is this guy can't finish. This guy's not a good finisher. And even like the guys that are really good athletes. I mean, if you look at scoots finishing around the rim, they're not great. If you look at the Thompson twins, I think last I look, Asar was shooting like 43% on layups. <laughs> not great. So I think um, – the finishing is going to come with spacing and, and and when guys get stronger, but we're talking about shooting. All right. Number six, who is number six on your list?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to go, uh, this is somebody who I probably should have listed earlier, but um, Bryce Sensabaugh out of Ohio state he is having a ridiculous start to the year shooting. I mean, at this point, he's not even started. He's just having a ridiculous season, four and a half attempts per game, 46% from three, 82% from line. Honestly, he's a, multiple level score like shooter. Uh, I think he's three level score, but you know, he can shoot off the balance off mid-range. And what's so special with him is that like yes, he has that spot up shot and everything. But if you fall for it, if you if you're a defender and you're committing hard to that jump shot, he's gonna up fake one dribble, step into the three point line and rain a mid-range. Like he's just as good at that. I'm big on him. Again, probably should have listed him earlier, but all these I think really after Grady Dick and Brandon Miller is all almost interchangeable.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's shooting 46%. He's even shooting a higher percentage from 3 than Grady Dick and 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 the guys yep. you mentioned before. Um one of the concerns about him, not necessarily a concern, but I've had people say like, "Man, imagine how good he's going to be once he sheds some pounds." They they're saying that. They love his build, but they wonder if he got down five to 10 pounds could that like do even more wonders for his game a guy that we weren't talking about coming into the season and I've seen some boards that have that has him as a lottery pick so Ohio State's going to do it again even though they're struggling this year like overall team wise they're, they're not really good all right so that's six who's number seven
1: man it's uh that's pretty much it for I feel like the top guys Uh, there's somebody who I haven't mentioned yet who I I have to double check his numbers, but I'm like 95% sure it's good. And uh, yeah, it still adds up. There's somebody who I don't know how nationally this guy still isn't like talked about as much. He's like sprinkled in. So he's definitely given love, but people don't do more than just say, Oh yeah, this guy's good. Next guy. That's Taylor Hendricks at UCF. And like, I probably just answered my own issue there. Like he plays at UCF. It's not, not exactly a school known for, basketball and and shining like we know it for the national championship stuff and football Scott but Frost Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Nebraska. exactly. Like it, I mean, he's shooting 39% from 3, 81% from the line. I think the form's great. He can shoot at multiple angles. He can shoot over guys, and he's 6'9". So, like, that combination is really lethal, and I think he sticks. And also on top of that, like, of why he sticks, he does so many other things on both ends of the floor. Uh, really good rebounder, just plays defense. I really like him.
0: Here's a guy that, I mean, maybe he's not on your list, or, or maybe you just haven't mentioned him yet, but Maxwell Lewis, 41% from three, shooting 50% from the floor. is is maxwell gonna crack your top 10 we're getting close to (laughs) okay where did you have him at what's up where did you have him
1: he was gonna be probably like two more there's one guy i had in front of him i really wanted the list but Uh, i was
0: just i was just just wondering man you were scaring me because i got maxwell lewis in my lottery (laughs) yeah i think he's gonna be really really good
1: (laughs) we're gonna have to talk about him in depth when he comes up
0: all right. So, all right. Sorry to throw your order off. Who's next on your list?
1: No, I was going to say just one more. This guy I, I think is somebody who, I don't know if he gets drafted and I know the percentages are lowered, but just given his role, I think kind of explains it. i really liked him last year. I think he could be a great, great spot up shooter. And I'm probably reaching slightly here, but Tyler Burden out of Richmond, I really like him. He's only shooting 33% from three this year. So another one of these guys who the percentages aren't there, but he went from second option to first option. So he's playing less off ball. He's taking more off the dribble threes, which isn't his game, but he's still hitting those catch and shoot threes. I really like his game and think he's somebody who he has a weird dip. I think that's honestly his biggest, you know, obstacle is he goes all the way down and then goes all the way back up in a, in a league where closeouts are long and hard, like where they're, you know, they're just more intense. I, I think it's going to be tough for him to uh, at times, unless he gets rid of that dip to to shoot over defenders. But if he does, I think he's going to be one of the best shooters from this class.
0: Yeah. And actually today, when I talked to I said some scouts at the games and I was asking guys, I'm like, who is your guy? Who is your guy that you're higher on than the consensus? And one scout was like Tyler Burton. And I mentioned to him, I think it was the episode that I did with leaf, but I mentioned to the, to the scout. I was like, if you listen to a, a Locked On Big Board podcast, and like we talked about Tyler Burton. I was like, I want to see him go to Denver. He's such a great cutter. And going to Denver, I don't, I'm, I mean, I haven't thought about like where he could fit in and get some minutes at immediately. But if you're a cutter like he is and a shooter, I mean, you want to play with Jokic. He's going to find you cutting and he's going to get you open looks. When we return, We'll finish out the rest of Richard's top shooters. But Bet Online is what I want to talk to you about because Bet Online is your number one source for betting, info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season, which is over. But next year, it's going to be exciting for college football. But Bet Online is going to have it. You got the basketball, they got it all at Bet Online. And if you like sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. It is the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more. That's because BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, last segment. And Richard, who is next on your list of the top shooters?
1: Let's dive into Maxwell Lewis. Uh, Actually, I heard he prefers Max Lewis. So let's dive into Max Lewis, who... He's shooting a great percentage as well. 41% from three last year, 36% free throw percentage in both years over 80%, which is a, I think it, the way I look at it is 75 is like should be your bare minimum. 80 is a, a well above average. And if you hit like 85 plus you're probably elite in that regards. So he's in that mix. Like right now he's at 83. He's pretty close. Uh, I really like his offense. I think I have a theory where like, I've I've done most of the math. Like if you look at the last like 13 years, the last the or excuse me, the number one drafted sophomore. So if you look at the best sophomore in the in the class has like a seventy to seventy five percent success rate. There's some Derek Williams is mixed in there. But generally, if you're the first sophomore taken, you have a great career. I mean, Benedict Matherin's the most recent example of this. Um, I'm curious what you think. Is he the best sophomore in this draft? I thought for a while it was our guy. now our guy, <laughs> Turk played Leon Smith, but I'm not certain it's not Max.
0: I have both in the lottery. I mean, if you ask me tomorrow, my answer may be different than it is today, right? Um, but right now, I'm I'm just literally just going strictly off my gut. I, I'm I don't care about anybody else's big board mock drafts, what other people are saying. I'm going strictly off my gut, and Maxwell Lewis is. I had him 14th on my last board. I I think he's going into the top 10, and. Jalen Williams' success this year in, with the Thunder is making me even more of a believer in, in Maxwell Lewis. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like like you said, I, and I've heard you mention it before about the success rate of the first sophomore taken. I mean, <laughs> history is history. And, I I mean, I like him. I, I think that he's going to be a steal. It's unfortunate that he's playing at a mid-major in the west coast and people are missing his games so you aren't really having a chance to watch him live i mean the gonzaga game wasn't even on tv so i'm like all right if the gonzaga game isn't on tv and i can't find it anywhere and there's a gazillion channels showing college basketball then you probably won't see him live <laughs> again until summer league um, but yeah i like him a lot all right who's next
1: so I'm going to go back. I'm going to go into the international pool here. This is somebody who he's a seven-footer playing over. Um, I think it's in Lithuania. You know this better than me, so I might have just completely botched that. But uh, actually, it's in Southern Europe. It's not in Lithuania. But that's Tristan Vuk. Uh, I think it's Vukševic. I don't know exactly how to say it.
0: He's in Serbia.
1: It's Serbia, so I apologize. Yeah. Got, got the complete opposite side of uh, of Europe. But he's shooting 39% from three. In Europe, he's shooting 56% overall this year across uh Euroleague uh and like just other leagues in Europe. Uh that he the other league he's in, I mean, just uh, you know, a national First, player or whatever. Domestic league. Domestic, thank you. That's the word I cannot think of it to save my life. Mm-hmm. Uh still just 19 for a couple more months. Really impressed with him. The shot is so quick. He shoots it it doesn't make sense how he shoots past closeouts so effortlessly, but he does it and the numbers are there. So I really like him.
0: I haven't watched him yet this year. Uh, he, I was definitely high on him. Was it last year or two years ago? Maybe it was two years ago. Then I went to watch him play live last year. He was playing for Real Madrid, and he got in, like, spot minutes. So I could really only evaluate him during warm-ups. And then he ended up um, switching to, to Partizan, which is now in the League. I've always liked him. He's someone that, you know, he's athletic. He has a little toughness to his game. He's a little stiff. Uh, he's kind of upright. Uh, you know, m- maybe like a poor manager Jabari, Jabari Smith, <laughs> as far as just like the athletic, but they're upright. Not much of a shot creator. Not really shifty. But I do think that he could be somebody that is just that can really surprise people. He's just not getting talked about enough. Um, It isn't me, but has there ever been a guy like when it's like your third cycle on them, you kind of start to wonder. It's like they get passed up in a sense by these newer guys because you've watched them. Like this is like my third draft evaluating him. And he's kind of been forgotten. Like I haven't watched any of his film this year. I mean, I've seen like the highlights and I have some friends that play for Partizan. But um, I definitely need to to reintroduce myself to his film because he's playing more than he played last year. But he was hard for me to evaluate before because he I couldn't find any film from him on national teams, and so and I had just had this conversation with uh, Bogdan uh, Bogdanovich tonight after the game about how you know for for European prospects there's no college. So once you turn like 18 and you're, you're really good in your age group, then the next step is just like pro, right? There's no college. So you can kind of get lost. And so for him, the last two years, a year and a half, it was kind of hard to evaluate him. And then he wasn't playing on like, you know, the under 19 or under 20 teams because his nationality situation is really, really weird. Like his, I think his mom is Greek, I think his dad is Serbian, but he was born in Italy. So he has like his choice of countries that he could possibly represent. I think he settled on one, I'm not for sure which one it is, but he's somebody that that I think he could end up being really really good. I just have to reintroduce myself to his film, but that was a good good call there. Who's next on your list?
1: Appreciate it. So I'm I'm stuck between two uh, on the last spot. Uh so I'm just going to do both. I think I'll go with both of these guys are seniors. They're longevity guys. I'm going to go with Marcus Sasser at Houston. I think the, all the numbers add up. I mean, last year he granted only 12 games. I mean, he was ridiculous when he was playing uh, eight and a half attempts a game, 44% from three. And this year, not that much of a drop off 37%, seven and a half attempts per game. And he's doing a lot of off the dribble scoring. I think he's one of the best shooters. Um, the other guy, also a senior, he's a bit more of a comeback story who I haven't really seen him talked about on draft boards. And it doesn't make a ton of sense. I get like the whole heart thing, but, uh, Keontae Johnson, I mean, he played one game in Florida in the, uh, what was it? 2021 or 2020. I can't remember, but, um, you know, before collapsing, he only played a couple games and he really hasn't left off from, where he was like, I think he's a big reason why Kansas state's so good. His jumper is really good. And then on top of that, why I think he sticks, even though he's older, he's got one of the best first steps. I, I, he might have the best first step in the class of non elite prospects mm-hmm. and that combination of great shooting and the ability to just go to the basket when teams close out, I think he's going to stick, but those are my two choices. I don't know which one's better, honestly, but I think they are two guys worth shouting out.
0: Yeah. I was actually shocked to see Sasser's three point percentage, where it's at, because it was low for a long time. He was below 30% for a while. And I even had somebody mention to me, like, all right, his shooting numbers his sophomore year were, I don't remember the numbers, but then it was like it was a big jump as a junior. And then it was low again, at least, you know, until like the beginning of January. And they were like, all right, which is the real him? Like, is he the guy that shot lights out last year, but it was a smaller sample size? And they were just kind of wondering like if the shoot if he's not a lights out shooter, then what is his 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 best NBA role? And then as far as Keontae Johnson, I mean, it's a great story. Like a great story, you know. A lot of people thought, I mean, they were blaming COVID, so many different things. He transfers. I mean, it's first year coach at Kansas State, they they beat Kansas. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's like a movie. It's like really like a a movie. I, I'm rooting for him. I mean, I'm I I hope that I hope whatever conditions that that led to him collapsing are are, are past him, and I hope it's not a situation to where, um, you know, he's red flagged and and, and teams are are fearful because that's that that goes. I mean, it happens. I mean, we saw it with with Butler, who everybody thought was going to go high. I don't even know where he's playing at right now. But, um, but yeah, I'm definitely rooting for Keontae Johnson. All right. There's a player that I want to get your opinion on. Chris Murray. What are your thoughts on Chris?
1: I Keep it with the Big Ten. I I feel like we've talked about him or about the Big Ten so much. I don't know. I really don't. I didn't like his – I didn't buy his three-point shooting last year. I think I may or I don't know if I was just too obsessed with that low free throw percentage. I honestly haven't seen a ton of him this year. I've seen two games. And I think in both games, he was non existent Like I know one of them was, uh, I think it was the TCU game where it was the worst game of his career, of his year. And I can't even remember what the other one was. So I'm a little bit indifferent. I think just looking at the numbers, it's something I could buy into. He's improved a lot. What does it look like? You know, as teams kind of hone in on him as a shooter, we'll see. So I'm a little bit skeptical. I apologize. It's probably the one player that I have done the least amount of homework on. I feel like in this entire draft, but um, he's not
0: sexy. He's not a guy that you just turn on the film and say, "Oh, yeah. I can't wait to watch." Chris yeah. Play.
1: Whereas Keegan, I feel like was. I think I watched every single game he played last year. So well, I saw a because lot because it was Biass- new
0: because it was new. Yep. Like right now you're looking at, and you might be like, we've seen this before. It's just, they shoot with different hands, a little bit different players. I I get it. Cause with Chris last year, when I watched this film, I'm like, okay, this guy, can he shoot? No. Yes. No. Yes. And then it's like, Oh wow. He shot 38% or something like that. But he's extremely streaky. Like he may miss yeah. six in a row. And then he may have two games where he's like five or seven, Four for five, and then he may have a game where he's like one for six, but then the numbers when when they even out is very respectable, like 37, 38 percent from three. I just think that in the NBA, he's gonna be a good value pick late in the draft, maybe even second round, which you can say is like is he that much different than his brother? And that in that one year of age is going to be a 20 pick difference. <laughs> At the minimum, it could be 25 picks difference. I mean, what, Keegan went fourth. I mean, does Chris go 20th, 25th, 30th, whatever? So uh, it's definitely going to be very, very interesting. Well, that wraps up this episode. Big shout out to Richard for sharing his, his thoughts on, on the shooters in this draft class. And thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big 4 Podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your next listen, you have to, you must check out the Game to Game podcast. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. To follow the Game to Game on the Locked On NBA channel, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your your podcast. It is late, and I am tongue-tied. But once again, it's Raphael Barlow with Richard Statement, and we... R. Out.